0: Hi, I'm Kate and I'm Mandy and this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there welcome back to Love Sober the podcast for the sober and sober curious and this is episode 129 uh, and today I'm delighted to welcome Camille Kinsler onto the podcast and Camille is a fellow coach in the US and we met through She Recovers because um, we're both She Recovers coach designated and also um, Camille is running a challenge soon, which Kate and I are taking part on, which is called the seven day and 14 ways to break your drinking habits challenge. So we'll get into talking about that in a moment. Um, So we always start with a check
1: in. So um, how are you doing, Camille? Oh, thank you for asking that. (laughs) I was just saying that I had my kid's birthday this weekend. So we had birthday parties for the first time in over a year with family and friends and it was really lovely, but also really exhausting. So I'm coming in a little exhausted, but can I say that you're saying my name Camille? And we Camille, right? And so Camille is in um in the US is how it's pronounced. But my husband and I have this debate on what what it how to pronounce it in French, because he's learning French. And so I'm so glad that you oh sorry. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I see that. And that's Camille for uh, me. So Camille. I yeah. love
1: it. No, oh, I love it. Yeah, Camille's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um that's
0: my French side coming out. Not that I'm French, but I've lived here for, uh, how long have I lived here for now? 15 years. So
1: wow.
0: yeah, it's pretty entrenched in me to, to say yeah. your name that way. So yeah. Um, so before we get onto your story, just to sort of, uh, tell our uh, audience that, you know, you're a coach an alcohol-free lifestyle and habits expert. Uh, a master's in science and physician assistant studies, and you are passionate about helping the high achieving over drinker to un- unwind, have fun, and connect instead of instinctively reaching for their go to cocktail by learning to trust themselves again. And you do this through a process you call the cozy method, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. um But yeah, we always start with um, just telling the audience a little bit about your own drinking story, if that's okay, and what brought you to the decision to go alcohol-free.
1: Yeah, I love that, thank you. So what's interesting, and when I have in my bio, the whole, um, by learning to trust themselves again, is that what I found um, in the last several years, but the last couple of years of drinking, that um, I didn't believe anything that I was saying anymore. So I'm gonna start kind of at the end instead of the beginning. I um, was talking about politics in the back porch with my husband and ways to change the world and blah, blah, blah. And I just was so bored of hearing that conversation and never really doing much to change the world on the outside. And I didn't even know if what I was saying was something I believed. It got to that point where I was like, am I just regurgitating things that I believed 10 years ago Really, when I stopped um, evolving, (laughs) or that I believed when I was in high school, when I was more connected uh, with myself. So um, that was the big wake up call for me because I wasn't what um, people may know as like a low bottom um, drinker or a like hitting rock bottom. It was more of this floating near the bottom, you know, cruising near the bottom and recognizing like, wow, I've been here for a while. And it's slowly going down. Um, But it wasn't a crash and burn. And so that was that was my biggest when I really started picking up the memoir, talking to alcohol free friends and saying, like, what is this world outside of uh, outside of drinking? And I always like to say that our day one doesn't start when we quit drinking. It starts the day that we do pull up a memoir or Mm -hmm. uh, talk to a friend or listen to a podcast. Because Mandy and Kate and all of the big names in our wor- in our area um, all did the same thing, right? And so um, I guess just to start off by saying you being here is already, you're already doing the work. You're already in the process. Um, yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah. And when we talked about it and sort of talked about the challenge that you're doing, this idea of um, this kind of trust element, you know, and... And that breakdown of that sort of connection with self just resonated so much. And I think it's such a part of a lot of people's journey because you're making decisions, you know, you're making these deals with yourself, aren't you? It's like, right, I'm not going to drink. I'm only going to drink on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And especially if you're in that gray area, um, you know, where you're managing it, but you're not feeling good about it, Um, but then you're not, You know, you're not doing what you say, and that just kind of constant knocks at your self-esteem and that trust. And I love that. You know, that I can remember. Yeah, that sort of sense of being stuck. Like, do who do who am I now? Like, do I actually believe anything that I'm saying? And I've never heard someone sort of express it as that being their true north, I suppose, or that that being their why of why they stopped So, you know, that's really really interesting, and I think it will really resonate. To people so yeah taking it back a bit I mean what when did you start drinking how did it kind of progress yeah. and when did you start sort of questioning it in a way of um, maybe I want to make a change
1: so I started drinking when I was in college with the big boys I didn't drink a lot when I was in high school um, because I hated it my dad drank and um, I, remember my, I have an older brother who's five years older than me. And I used to write he and his friends letters when I was like 12, you know, when I would see that they were drinking, just like about how bad it was and how they were like ruining their lives. And so not until a breakup when I was 18, when it led me sort of into that world of just coming out of being more surly and more... Um, more uh direct things that i was normally the person who liked these intimate conversations like you and i are having but not a lot of people like having those this is before the day of dawson's creek where they made it seem like everyone (laughs) was talking that way and um, and so it allowed me to get out of my shell and be more fun in the way that i felt the society wanted me to be and um and then i just progressed into uh, happy hour with girlfriends after work, to then the craft beer scene. IPAs, I think, were my demise because of the high alcohol content. It really got me there quickly. And then I was like, one is great. And then all of a sudden, it's three. And that um, I would be really, this is kind of a side, but really interesting. interested to see the alcohol dependence with the introduction of high alcohol beers, like craft beers. Um, So anyway, and then, um, but what really, what really, um, what I noticed is, is when I started having kids, I brought wine into the home and um, I didn't recognize this as a boundary. I don't know if you guys realize this as well, but until I actually was able to remove it and reflect back, did I realize how many boundaries I crossed along the way? And one of those was um, not drinking at home. And when I had kids, the mom wine culture, and then just being more lonely, right? So you're, I was more isolated by coming home in the end of the night and drinking wine when making dinner. And what I recognized um, is I was becoming my dad. And um, and my dad was a beautiful is a beautiful man, but at five o'clock it switched, and that was becoming me. That switch was was happening. And um, I always say that the more kids I had, the more I drank. And so I'm glad I only had two. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, and so that's where my husband and I had a lot of connection, where we would spend our time connecting with drinks on the back patio when the kids would go to sleep. And then that started even changing, like the earlier that I would um, start if I had a day off. Um, And then the other thing is, is I'm a medical provider. As you stated in the bio, a physician assistant is similar to a medical doctor in the States. So we can diagnose and treat medical illness. So I was going to work and treating people with um, different stages of liver disease or lung cancer, um, anxiety, depression, and monitoring and adjusting medications While also knowing that they drank. And so I would tell them, you know, you should quit drinking. But then I was drinking. And so I never actually really believed that they could do it. And I don't know if you guys have ever had that conversation with your medical provider or therapist who says, oh, it's not that bad, right? You're not it's only a couple drinks a night when you know that you're not telling them the whole truth and they know that too. <laughs> mm. And I thought that that's, again, that disconnect of really trusting myself again. I was like, they have to feel this, mm. right. They have to feel that if I'm saying to myself, I can't do it, then th- they can feel that I'm really saying that they can't either.
0: Yeah, uh, Really interesting. Cause uh, yeah. we have this conversation a lot in our love sober community around you know, the advice and what's being fed to us by the medical profession, which, yeah, I mean, I went to my doctor, I've been seeing a the therapist, Kate as well, where it was like, you know, just moderate, use the wheel, you know, drink within your units. And it's like, I've arrived here at this point. Do you not think I'm probably a little bit further on than that? And just getting then that mirrored back, like, it's your fault to kind of control this and being yeah. sent away. So to, to hear it from someone from that position is. Yeah, quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, and there's yeah. a lot of what you're saying, which I think will resonate with people, is that kind of disconnect from your values and your boundaries, but not even realising it at the time because you're kind of blind to it, you know, and I certainly had that. It like I never wanted to be that mum. I never wanted to be that mum that was, you know, putting the kids to bed a bit tipsy and just sort of, you know, or sending them away from the dinner table because it was adult time or you know, sort of lying because I was like going outside for a cigarette and I didn't want them to know, you know, and all those sort of things. And then you're in it and you're doing these things. And it's these kind of subtle hits that you don't even realize. But again, they're they're pushing you away from that trust with
1: yourself. Um, And what a beautiful thing to get back is to get that trust back, you know? Absolutely. It's that rushing the kids to bed for, for mom and dad time. And that rushing was getting earlier. Right, let's in the family time that we have such a short window for anyway. So I can spend more time doing the thing that I want to do. And I think what happens is, is that you know women and men think that it's gonna um, that they're not going it's it's their period it's their moment to relax right when they have a drink that's when they can relax and, and um, really kind of. Uh, worry less care a little bit less mm-hmm. right about the dishes being done or the projects that need to be done, but what's really amazing is that when you do remove alcohol, you have less guilt. <laughs> you have less guilt about the fact that these things aren't getting done because you're more present, more, more of the time. And so when you are saying like, it's mommy time, um, it actually, first of all, is rejuvenating, right? So you can peace out in your room for 30 minutes and feel great afterwards. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is you don't feel as bad about it. Cause you're like, man, I've been on point for the last like hour and a half with you. Now I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it is. And the I think boundaries is such
0: a kind of key element for so many people because it is that sort of, you know, we've been sold this message that this substance is a treat and this is a way in our time and it's socially acceptable. But us actually saying I need 30 minutes on my own to lie down and read a book because I'm really tired after work is like an absolute no-go. You know, we wouldn't do it. That's selfish. That's like not acceptable but yeah once you you are giving in that time and you were you were there and you took them to school on time and you had that moment in the car and you can pick up and also be aware of all those little moments where you are present then it it allows you to be like yeah you know what i've done <laughs> i deserve it in, in a way that is is nourishing as you say and not not harmful so when you you know what sort of what was your way to get started what what started you out on your sober journey what resources helped you in the beginning
1: right again it was um picking up that first memoir right oh and then also i my one of my really good friends um she was decided that she wasn't going to drink anymore she had a different um her a different um story of course like we all do and i just saw her just thrive over a, a year and so i reached out to her as well but i picked up that book blackout by sarah mm-hmm. And I, I, although I wasn't um, a blackout drinker, um, I, it was, the setting was in Austin. She's an amazing writer and funny, but I resonated with so much of that. And that's the other thing that I think is so important is when we do read memoirs, that we don't say, we don't read them to pick out what we aren't uh, doing, we pick out the things that we can resonate, right? And I, I know that that's a big part of the AA community, where you take what what's useful and leave what's not, right? And so it's similar when you're looking at these memoirs. So I really resonated with a lot of what she said. The other thing, I, um, "Sexy Sobriety" by, um, Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: she's a a friend of the. Uh, Kate did her course actually. That's- oh yeah part of her sober story so yeah we've had bex on the the podcast and yeah she's a wonderful wonderful inspiring woman
1: yes and what i loved about her it was the first time that i really saw it in in um this well first of all this but this idea of gray area drinking but the other thing is is that she made it seem so fun and not heavy and weighted and it was positive and it was exciting and so i was um i i definitely um read I read her book and then um and then also let's see the I'm a reader so the easy way to quit drinking um and that was the first time that I was like what this can actually be a choice like it's not you know I get to I get to choose to not be hung over the next day and that's a yeah it's a it's a positive thing so I was really and then just about alcohol in our society and um And that was, and I guess Amy Grace is now the new Alan Carr in that way. (laughs) Um, But I really, um, I really loved that too. So for me, it was more of this introspective internal process. That's the way that I do a lot of things, right? I like external, externalize, pull it all in, and then I have to kind of sort it out within. And so ours are really great for me in that way. And so, I mean, there's a lot of,
0: things to love about being sober, um, in my opinion. But uh, what's your biggest area of personal growth that you've noticed?
1: So um, the biggest thing is this idea of curiosity of what's next. I think that what happens or what does happen when we drink is that we know exactly what our life is going to look like. We do. We have had decades of experience of what it looks like. And we try to pretend like it's going to be different and look different, but it doesn't, it always looks the same in some degree. And so what I love is this idea of, well, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I always know that the morning is going to be better than the evening. If I'm having a bad day, always, it always is. It never fails. Um, And I don't know what else I'm going to create or who I'm going to connect with, or what kind of courage I'm going to have that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And so that is, I can't remember exactly the question that you asked, but curiosity is what keeps me propelled in the direction of not drinking is because again, like I said, I know what my life will look like if I drink, but I have no idea what it's going to look like when I don't. And on that same token, that can be the scariest thing for people yeah. is this fear of not, um, what life, like really, if you get past two weeks, it's easy to not drink. It's what do you do? without drinking in your life and that, but I'm not going to be able to drink wine when I'm in France, you know, or (laughs) when I don't even have a trip planned, you know, and it's that fear of what life will look like. So I say like, switch it around and change that fear into excitement. Mm -hmm. You get to decide what your life is going to look like.
0: And so, I mean, you mentioned that it was, it was a bonding thing between you and your husbands, and how, how has that transition you know, I mean, I'm married to a Frenchman, so he still drinks wine. Um, so how has that been for you? Because um, obviously, that's another big fear for people that you know their relationships will change or or not survive or um, yeah, that, that 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 level, you know, that would be difficult. I mean, it wasn't easy for me, but it's we're getting there now. So I was just curious how it's been for you.
1: So I, I would love to do a podcast with he and I, I think it would be really fun. Cause I, the way that I describe it is probably way different than he has ever, <laughs> he would describe it. But, um, but yeah, so my husband and I drank together for 10 years <laughs> before we had children. We were, um, we were, you know, be- best friends. We still are. And that's the way he's a talker. He gets me to talk more and um, alcohol really helped with that. And we traveled the world. And so it was really a big part. It, it, basically, um, punctuated every aspect of our lives for sure. The raise of a glass. So, um, we would all, we would try to quit together all the time, right? Like this week, we're not going to drink or let's try to go this month without drinking. And then one person would call the other one on the way home from work saying, I'm just going to grab a six pack. And then there we are again. So what happened was, is that, um, I quit drinking when I was, um, right after I turned 40. But I w- didn't want to drink by the time that I was 40 and then I woke up with a hangover the day after and I was like, what the And I was also for one of my 40th birthday presents was um sailing with some of my best friends in the British Virgin Islands. My husband was um skippering the boat. And um and I was on the boat with my best friends in the most beautiful place in the world hungover. <laughs> so all of so ultimately what happened was is that I just I chose me. And I recognized that I didn't know what was going to happen with our relationship and that wasn't what was important at the time because what I had been doing before wasn't working and that was including him in my plans. And so I had to be fiercely protective of my decision. And what was the scariest part about it was is that I was a horribly, horribly mean person for like six weeks. And I was worried that that's who I truly was. by the way, guys. So, just in case that happens to you, give it some time to yeah, settle. Yeah,
0: about the other side. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I, and I slept a lot. But but the biggest thing is is that he was also supportive in the fact that he didn't he didn't drink at home. But we when we would go out for family dinners, he would always choose the place that had the great uh, tap beers on tap. Um, and then uh, I suppose six weeks or or months or so later he's he was drinking brandy and watching movies at night now i was going to bed early i didn't even recognize it or know about it but he said that he was starting to see me excel and soar and he recognized This is my part of the story that uh, that I was taking off and that he needed to do something in order to catch up. And so he recognized that his relationship with alcohol wasn't a healthy one. And so a year and a half later, he quit drinking. And now it's been almost two years for him, too. Oh, wow. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I, <laughs> that's <not fair. laughs> I that's not fair. Right. I think that's just our, like, you know, again, where we meet people in this world for a reason and where I, if you, whatever you may believe in, but this, I feel like he and I were recar- reincarnated in this life for this purpose <laughs> for us to have, you know, to have this experience together and we'll see what, what happens, you know, later on, but yeah, that's our story.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll, right fairness to my
1: husband like he's
0: incredibly supportive and you know he's definitely my biggest champion in in not drinking so not that he ever listens to podcasts or has any social media so we'll never know that I said that but just for him you know thank you for yeah for not pushing it on me but um it's it's difficult right it's really difficult when it's been so part of your romance essentially and it definitely was for us it was a way of connecting bonding and and it um yeah i mean he doesn't drink in the same way and and i don't think it would have worked if he'd continued in the same way but he um we've we've his we, boundaries again it's just like if you want to do that i mean for me it's very much about protect and what you said i resonated with just that protection of self within that and so part of that for me is like I don't want my kids to be around people that are drunk. I just, that's that's like a bottom line for me. So it's like, if there's more drinking than, you know, a couple of glasses, you go somewhere else, <laughs> you know, that's it. Like stay stay at a mate's house, whatever, you know, you do your thing, you do you, but it's, it's not something that I want, um, to, you know, I need to protect my home from that sort of behaviour. So it's the well, journey, as they say. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the other thing too is that it at first I well after about six weeks or so, um when we would go on date night, he'd have a a a pint or a three and um And I noticed it was the same thing. My dad, like that click. It just, you know, it was really interesting because he would talk, it was the same stories, right? That we'd always say and talk about, but but it was this interesting thing where I first recognized like how selfish (laughs) the drinking conversation is with the drinker, right? and and i was like this is very interesting because it's all revolving just around you and your world not really opening up and sharing so i was like well this isn't cool i'm not, i don't really want to do this very much on our, our date nights and the pausiness afterwards i was yeah. like if you are having sex no. um if you've had uh, even a, a cocktail, cuz it's just not it's yeah, just... you can't
0: have that connection yeah
1: Yeah, the connection isn't there, but I do, one of the, I think you asked this question about what the personal development, but something that really is um, so much better since we both quit drinking is our sex life. It is hands down the best, we're in our 40s, and it is the best that it's ever been, and we've been together since we were in our, in college, so. Anyway, just to throw that out there.
0: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, again, that's a, a big conversation for people, isn't it? It's that intimacy and, you know, in terms of, of women's um, self-confidence and women, when you start to analyze that, of like what, how did alcohol play a part in how I express my sexuality or, you know, and around what was permissible or not. And when you take alcohol out, it's like, well there's a lot of big questions there and it, it is it's, it's a real kind of um because you're you're answering your own needs in a, in a way which is is very real um, um but yeah when when it's when it happens I'll say it's <laughs> but yeah the frequency might not be uh, uh, some people might desire but there we go um so yeah tell us about your work so I know that you you coach one-to-one and you run a four month program. So tell me a little bit about that and tell me about the cozy method. I'm really intrigued by that.
1: So yeah, so coach one-on-one and then I also lead a small group of women through a four month experience where we just play around with one variable and that's removing alcohol to see how it can affect your relationships with yourself and others. Um, with he- with your health and well wellness and um, career and finances, or spirituality. So those are measurable, right? So we can actually like try to measure those throughout the four months, but it's, we don't do anything else. You don't remove anything else. You don't, it's not like a, you remove gluten and sugar and all of the things and start your triathlon training. It's, you know, we just play around with that one variable. And then um, with a, uh, with the hope of having a retreat, if it seems like that's something that we can do now um, mm-hmm. at, the, at the end and my next one opens up in June. So it's an intimate experience where you get to um, really support other women on their journey too. Uh, and then we do this through the cozy method, which is what you alluded, mentioned earlier. And the cozy method was something that I put together where the C stands for consciousness or conscious behavior, emotions, and thoughts. So what happens is a lot when we're removing um, alcohol, a lot of people focus on the behavioral issue. Mm. It's changing your behavior and then everything else kind of falls into place. And although that's an important piece, it's um, for me, it wasn't the thing that clicked. What really clicked for me is when I recognized that I was the thinker of my thoughts Right. So I was actually didn't have to believe the things that I was thinking. It was a breakthrough for me. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like this <laughs> devil on my shoulder that's telling me to drink, I don't actually have to do what he says. I can actually call him, you know, whatever I want. And, you know, to, and that was really a big uh, uh, eye awakener for me. And, but it's not only that with drinking, it's with everything, it's with what we say to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, it's, it's not the, just the habit of drinking. It's the habit of the way that we talk to ourselves and the emotional response that we have. Those are all habits, which is fascinating to me. When I also recognize that too, then we know we can change habits. And so that was liberating. So it's this conscious awareness is what we do through this seven days and 14 ways, um, challenge It's going to be coming up, it's uh, part of my, of the C part of the program, is where we have this bird's eye view, this meta view, or God's view, God's eye view of how we relate to the world, mm-hmm. and this is really beefy, right, but it's like, right, our internal, we only have control of our internal, um, our, of, of us, right, of the internal aspect of us, we don't have any control of the external so when we're changing behaviors only then we're going to have a shit day we're something's going to occur externally and we need to know how to manage that internally mm-hmm. and that's what the o part of cozy is the ownership is where we we take ownership for where we are in our life but then we also have to recognize that we have to take ownership for self regulation emotional intelligence And check in with ourselves throughout the day and ask ourselves what we need, which I know that you guys are really huge on the self-care component, which isn't bonbons and bubble baths. It's what do I need? What do I need throughout the day? And learning how to restructure our lives, which is takes bold, courageous moves, right? And order to, um, to give ourselves what we need. And then the Z is for identity. It's, it stands for zoom, zooming in and out, but that's really this identity piece. Cause we drink because we see ourselves as drinkers. That's why, right. We see ourselves as the party girl or the mom who needs to drink to relax. So it's this idea of changing this identity. And that's through a really big piece of it is visualizations of where do you want to go? And we've forgotten how to dream mm. right? Yeah. And again, through the trust, right? We've that disconnect of what do we really want, which leads me to the why, which if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So that's boundaries, but it's more than boundaries. It's coming home to who you are. It's figuring out maybe you're taking personality tests or the human design um, quizzes, right? So really check in with who were you innately when you were born and how do we get back to that? Um, so that's the cozy method. I love it
0: yeah I love it and uh, and it's that kind of identity piece I was wondering what you're going to do with the the z or the z as we would say in Europe I was like what's, this, what's the z gonna be but the zoom in and out and and it is is that you know that you have willpower right and if you're just relying upon willpower which is a part of it in the beginning you know but you have to have that. those your you know move away from goals as we would say in coaching and then you've got your move towards goals it's like what do you actually want and who do I want to be and that was huge for me and even in the part of pro- process of getting older it was just like well I like I have I have some control over this like I have a control of what I want myself to look and how I present as a sort of you know an older woman because I you know I went through this stage of, I think because a lot of people did when you know you have a problem with alcohol when you but forever feels too terrifying I mean this is like the Anne Hathaway method it's like you know I'm I'm not going to drink while my kids are at home and I definitely had that I was like right I'm not going to drink I'm oh, right I'm going to give up while my kids are at home and then you know when they're home then the responsibility is gone so then I'll just drink you know how I want and then when I break that down I was like so that means I'm going to be like a drunk you know Sort of 55 60 year old, like, is really is that what I want? Does that mean then I'm going to be the grandma when my kids come and they bring their kids and they're having to put me to bed because I've drank too much? Like, my drinking's I'm never that that part of me is never going to change. The drinking's never going to change. I'm just going to be in a different part of my life, and yeah, that you know, so it's like actually, what so who do I want to be as the grandma? You know, I want to be the the yoga grandma or the tattooed grandma who doesn't give a shit and dyed a hair pink or you know whatever or is learning to sort of paddle board and you know and when you start to create those other kind of yeah dream about something else is is such a beautiful sort of way to live your life. So, so you made a little bit about the challenge, the seven day, 14 way challenge.
1: I just have to let the listener know who can't see you when you were talking about all of the things that you want to do when you're a grandma and the pink hair and the paddle boarding, her face was was so lit up. (laughs) (laughs) She was like in it. (laughs) I'm going to be tattooed to
0: fuck. I'm going to be get some more piercings. I'm going to, you know, be listening to sort of crazy music. I'm going to live in a forest. Yeah. It's all planned out. I'm, I'm, Good.
1: yeah it looks really good on you so, I love it so that's bringing bringing to the the um, seven days and 14 ways to break your drinking habit is um, we'll have morning activations they're called awareness activation sessions and that will be led by me where we'll do visualizations where you most people who are probably listening to your podcast have been around this world for over a year or two or three or more. And we have these rusty tools. So basically what we're doing is we're, um, we're fixing up the tools in some of these visualizations and, and, and applying them. Um, so that's a piece of it where we're looking and in, tapping into our past and seeing the way that we can use what we've already learned to bring up those subconscious things that have already started to change, those reprograms that are already starting to change, and bubble them up to the surface. Um, we are also going to visualize ourselves in these moments to say, "Is it cute? Do I look sexy when I'm drinking wine with my girlfriends at the bar, and then I fall off the bar stool as I'm walking and you know to the restroom? Does that is it? Does my past of what I what I thought was um, you know a sex in the city type of experience m- the most updated current mm-hmm. view of what it really looks like?" Because we change and we don't really recognize that we're changing. And so we can update our database. And so so what we're gonna be doing through the visualizations too, is just saying like what I used to believe, is it what I currently believe? And do I know what that is? And then we're gonna get to borrow from our future selves, right? And the dreaming and dreaming big and what that may feel like. And for some that might be two weeks and for others that might look like what would my life look like when I'm a grandpa (laughs) or in five years. And really pulling those in so you can answer the question yourself is alcohol serving me? I believe that, um, it, do I have a drinking problem or do I drink normally? are outdated questions. Um, the current most in vogue question is is alcohol serving me? Uh, because, like, if you were like me, you can skate along the bottom for a really long time. And sometimes that's even scarier, right? Never actually knowing that there's more to you and never actually achieving it. Um, and so if you feel like you're one of those women who knows that there's more to you and just needs to, which I hope everyone is nodding <laughs> and saying, yes, that's me. There's more to me. Then start unraveling it and pulling off the layers and doing this in a way that you can't fail. So this challenge isn't to quit drinking for seven days because we've all done that, tried that. It's more of Where can I start trusting myself again slowly? And if you show up daily, then you've already achieved it. You've already won, if you will. And then in the afternoons, um, which I think is going to be the evening for you guys over um, in France, UK area, there will be an interview with um, with a woman who has been where you are. We have all been where you are. And so they're willing to stand up for you, for you to stand on their shoulders and gain some sort of wisdom or insight that can help you on your journey. And this is supposed to be, or meant to be a collaborative experience where there's a private Facebook group where I want us to all interact about what we learn through the day, what we gain from ourselves, what we gain from the speakers. And um, and yeah, so we'll have, an, and so for podcast lovers, you'll actually be able to join the conversation in a Zoom link where you can ask questions and it can be interactive in that way. So you could actually see your, uh, your, your podcast loves and interact with them in real time. So uh, yeah, and that starts May 10th. And it's free, right? So and it's, free. It's, a, it's a way to, yeah, a really kind of
0: low impact exploration, looking at it through a positive frame of just like, what could I get from this? Like, what, what could I, how could I build, change, create uh, for something that is better than where I am now? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I, and I love it that it's collaborative and, you know, and we're really happy to, you know, tell our story too, you know, and just be, be there to, yeah, to sort of share our experiences because, you know, as, as much as we know that the, we know the facts, right, we know the logic, we know that alcohol is bad for us, we know that like it causes cancer, blah, 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 we know that, you know, we should drink less, but when we get the, the emotional story, when we get inspired, when we get that kind of connection with um, belonging in a sense of of knowing what other people's stories have been, that can be the the change maker. You know, it certainly was for me when I started reading other people's stories and being able to see myself in those stories, um, like the conversation we're having today, it's just like, right, yeah, you know, I'm not alone and if they can do it then maybe you know it's that slight hope isn't it that possibility of, of yeah. spark um so in just before we kind of finish up um i wondered about your own kind of self-care toolkit because obviously we talk a lot bit about that so what do you do what's your practices to kind of help you not want to numb out at the end of the day um yeah, for fun, you know, to sort of tick those boxes that um maybe whole yeah. in the past used to sort of do for you. <laughs> I mean
1: so but, this, yeah. is, this is the big one because I really rearranged my whole entire life, um, which I know can seem very overwhelming uh for people who are just starting out. So uh, so let me first start by just saying the bite-sized, small chunks is that you have to choose yourself every, every, every single day. And um, I have this this story about this uh, this patient I had. It was this old country worker guy. He was in his seventies, and I was diagnosed him with lung cancer. And every day, every time he would come in to see me, I would say, "Hey, did you quit smoking?" He goes. Well, I quit every night and I start again every morning. And then one day he came in and he had quit. And what I took from that is I was like, that man never gave up on himself, you know? And that, that was just so, I was like, I can learn something from this country guy. Cause we can learn something from everyone, right? <laughs> Regardless of where you are. And, um, and so, yeah. So always choose yourself. And in the morning when you're like, oh man, I did it again. Just say, Okay. Today's the day's today's a new day and let's see what happens today. And that brings me to really creating when you wake up in the morning, it's your decision. It's like when you first start, you know, um school and you have a hundred, you have a hundred when you first start the semester. And then what happens from then on is, you know, <laughs> is uh is your own doing. So in the morning when you wake up, say, you know, this is what I'm choosing to do. I'm choosing to have a good, I'm choosing to have a good mental. Um, landscape for the day and kind of visualize even what your day looks like before you put your feet on the ground and now if you have tiny kids it's a little bit harder um but you can still make time for that and then check in throughout the day set your alarm like how am I feeling and what do I need to do for myself right now uh, but the biggest thing is that choosing yourself because really unfortunately or fortunately actually no one is going to save us it's our it's our responsibility
0: yeah and so what, what are your kind of like treats and pleasures? What are the things that light you up now that you, you, you know, your new loves in life? Because I mean, yeah. alcohol is a relationship, right? So, you know, what what is now the loves of your life?
1: Um, breathwork. Mm-hmm. Breathwork is the love of my life. And uh, there's this really great, what is it called? It's free um, insight timer. And the woman's name is, it's Breathwork for Healing and intuitive insight. Um, I can't recall her name off the top of my head, but that's how you can put it in the notes, yeah. And um, I almost daily did this breath work over the last year and a half. Um, it is transformational. It changes your state immediately. It allows you, even if you are in a heightened state of a fight or flight state. You know how people are like, just go meditate. Yeah, right. You yeah. can't go like totally like the red zone. To just sitting on a cushion. This allows you to do this breath where it's the stomach, chest, and then a mouth, and then move. And yell ah, throughout it when you have this buildup of CO two. So it's a really beautiful release. Mm. Um, that's my new my new love. Um, and interestingly, so I used to do coaching as a side, and now it's my full time job. And so this used to be my passion project. And I was telling my husband recently, I said, "I need a hobby." <laughs> <laughs> and So I'm, I'm I'm playing piano again. Mm-hmm. So I'm practicing. I used played when I was a little kid. So now we're, I'm going to start, I'm starting it up. I love that. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, now my passion
0: project has become my, my life. Me and Kate were actually having this conversation this morning. We are just like, okay, so maybe we need to like come back out of the, the enmeshment of love sober a little bit and look out of, because, you know, it's, it is the, but it's part of that that healing right it's it's the way it goes and it's like right now I need to maybe have a bit of gardening or a bit of theater or something else you know amongst it
1: well I was my husband he's he's doing all sorts of stuff you know I mean like he's doing kendo, which is like Japanese sword fighting and he does that from 8 to 10 in the evenings on Wednesday and then like two hours on a Sunday you know and I was getting jealous I was like who are you thinking you have all of this time <laughs> and Then I recognized that he's just of course like this is his life and he's choosing it and I want him to and I need to do that for myself too <laughs> so you know it's the coach needs coaching every now <laughs> and again
0: <laughs> okay well it's been really wicked to talk to you Camille um <laughs> and um, yeah I'm really excited for you know for this um, project that you put together and you know it's really exciting for to sharing that with women and sharing that with people and allowing them to have that exploration so obviously all the links are on the podcast Um, and so we always finish the podcast with uh, a tip of the day and your reason to love being sober so what's your tip of
1: the day yeah Let's see here. So this is, I'm going to end with my mission. And this mission is, is that the world needs us, needs you, every single one of us to be empowered and in our clear mind and in clarity and we do that through trusting ourselves through learning to trust ourselves again but this world is sick and um and it needs women to to change it so that's my that's love that's it. how i'm gonna leave it I love
0: it and your reason to love being sober what's your the, the first thing that comes you're just like yeah this is what keeps me going day by day
1: it's the curiosity of what tomorrow brings
0: yeah yeah because it's like that thing of it is. It's just, we just get stuck and we don't even realise we're stuck. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Life is, I mean, that I had that in, in therapy, you know, uh, I was still behaving like I was, you know, 18, 19. And I was now a mum with two kids and it was just like, it's okay to stop and
1: move on because life's only going in one way. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Yeah, and I think that that's another big one is being able to really um, walk the talk for my kids Mm. and and be vulnerable within my emotions. I'm very much like, I'm freaking out right now Ah!" and then can then say, that's what people do. We have emotions and we work through them and then we talk through them. and. And then also that piece of I'm teaching my kids to trust themselves and their instincts too, which is a wild thing when you also want them to do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I
0: know.
1: It's like, yeah, it's okay to say no, but
0: not me. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. oh, what do you need? You need rest time and just to chill, watch Netflix. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly we're <laughs> yeah, okay no i love it yeah thank you so much it's been a really brilliant chat i've really enjoyed it and um if you're listening if you're immediately concerned about your drinking please do reach out um you know um go and speak to your gp or um Sobristez has a private and secret ask the doctor service reach out to kate and i uh, reach out to camille um you know we're all here we're all sort of walked the walk and Come out the other side, you know, and so you're not alone. And you know, um, so just know that um yeah, there's always gonna be someone in a sober community that will understand and will, will hold out a hand. So, and that rhymed so a little bit of a rapper to um end there. And anyway, um enjoy yourself this week, look after yourself, and we'll see you next week for more chats mm-hmm.